Welcome in, welcome in, welcome friends to the newest edition of 3 In, 3 Out, What If, the most unique Seahawks preview podcast in the multiverse. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out on Twitter at Clinton Bond. And of course, you know the whole thing already. You should know the whole thing already. But I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And find him out on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. And this would not be Seahawks. What if we would not be able to see into the future with the crystal balls, the whole thing already. If we didn't have the protector of the multiverse, Seahawks multiverse himself, Mr. Phil Lydic. Gentlemen, we're back from, from the little Christmas sabbatical. We're I hope back. Was, we're back. We're back. Where we took we took a week off. We took a little holiday. We took, we a, took a week off, and I, I do yep. want to say one thing before we move forward. Yes, I am going to be podcasting next year, but I don't know if I'm going to be podcasting about the Seahawks. Just, <laughs> just got to put that. Oh, out I there. love it. I, I love it, Russ. I love it, Russ. Yep. Just not sure what you want to do. I will be. I think I can make that same pledge. I, I, I and Brandon, that's funny. You know, we brought up the idea that maybe you should have a parenting blog on three and three out this week. You gave some sage parenting advice, and I was like, I would. I would hit, hit, hit that subscribe button and listen to you. You know, you extol the virtues of, of good parenting. So yeah, maybe, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe, maybe it's time. But it, but but we'll be podcasting. Just maybe not about the Seahawks. Exactly. But we shall see. We shall I mentioned see. you guys were into sports collectibles. You seem to have a lot of insight there. You guys got me a really nice one for Christmas. So there could be a lot you guys could share together on that as well. I I think. Was that a Bobby Wagner? Was that a Bobby Wagner, Brandon? No, it no, just... that was Russ. That was Russ when he said that in his press conference. So both of our captains, both of our captains, and yeah. apparently the captain of all Seahawks podcastery is also uh, joining in that line May of thinking. May as well throw my hat in the ring. What's up with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was Russ from today, right? That was Russ's uh, newest newest line Thursdays, today. Thursdays, yeah. So when, oh, when this Thursday, comes okay. out, uh, it will have been on Thursday. That makes sense, and and yes. So and and for uh, and, and Phil, you mentioned you mentioned the card, so we were able to get you, you know, for for just a nice Christmas gift, and very we knew, nice. We knew you had mentioned your love for Largent. We're like, ah, right, let's go find the guy, you know, a, a kind of a unique Largent card, and I think it's what, a, like a nineteen like seventy nine All Star or something like that. It's something pretty cool. A card that you know the rookie cards are out there. You see a couple of those, but that was the first time I actually saw that card out there in circulation. So. I thought it was one one you'd really enjoy. It's very nice. Yes, it's a 1980 where he has statistics from four Seahawk seasons. I'm showing it right here for everyone to see on the podcast right through their ear hole. Oh, that's right. It was autographed. Is that correct? I yes. That's, that's right. It's an auto. That that's it's, right. That's the sweet part is that it is autographed. That's right. Awesome. Very nice. I have an autographed Largent on a set that I had when he retired. I went to his retirement celebration. It's not near as nice of a signature because he was surrounded and cards were getting crushed as I was trying to reach my card in there for him to sign it for me. I think I was 13 or 14 at the time. I don't remember how, maybe 15. <sighs> I don't know. But he did <laughs> sign mine. A big tall guy swooped in and kept my card from getting destroyed while lots of other people's were getting destroyed. And I basically have an S, a squiggle, and kind of an L and a squiggle. This is a very nice signature. So thank you. Oh, no problem. It's uh, You mentioned the, the collectibles, the car collectibles too and been getting into that of late. And uh, what I noticed too was actually some of the grading companies, when they're autographs, they actually grade the autograph too. So they'll give you a grade, like here, the corners are this, the surface is that, the edges, the centering, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the main things you look at. And then companies are now also like, oh, that's a nine out of 10 on autograph or that's a 10 that? out of 10. Yeah. So it just, it becomes a factor. They will grade the, people uh, on how well they can sign their name. 
Exactly. Putting their Herbie Hancock on it. So which, which is nice. So, third grade. And it. when I was a kid, we had Beckett didn't have anything about any of that stuff. No, didn't that was it. About that. You went and bought a physical, ma- you know, magazine with like Jose Canseco on the cover or something like that. And you and always you, look you, for that up arrow. That's it. That's yes. It. And we would that's grade ourselves. Is this excellent? What condition it was? Yep. Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a simpler times as they say, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's cool that the, the collectible market is, is raging in, in a fun way. And it's, it's, it's a booming and fun industry too. So it's, it's really creative. It's actually a very inventive industry at the same, the same way, which is, which is fun. So speaking of a p- potential future podcast, why don't we look at the potential Seahawks future for this week? As we, as we ride into Detroit rock city, we got to go face the, the ghost of, uh, of Jared Goff in the form of actually Jared Goff. So it's going to be an interesting one for sure. And Mr. Phil, I'm sure you've got You've got a, a theme to bring us through this week. So please, the floor is yours. Of course. I'm glad to be back. I saw that you used your made up themology word on your other podcast here this week. So uh, good to see that once again, Clinton is putting more words out there for our vernacular as Seahawk fans. But we're going to play some what if, and I want to go back in time. You guys took me back in time with large in a little bit, but I want to go back in time on this very special week. The year was 1990 for me. I was 13. And my neighborhood buddy received a gift that would change my understanding of football forever. It's very likely we were not the only football fans who'd have their understanding of football upgraded over the coming decade. What did my friend receive? Well, it was a game for his Sega Genesis. It was a brand new game series. What game do you guys think it might have been? And I couldn't stop playing all night at his birthday party. So my first, second, and third guests are Altered Beast, Altered Beast, and Altered Beast. (laughs) No, fail. On this special football week, somebody very important. Sadly, it is is the John John Madden Madden. football game. Yes, it was amazing. And it had the A, I'd never, I'd barely even played Sega Genesis, but it had the three A, B, and C, and this was awesome. I'd played a lot of Nintendo. Those games were fun in their own way, but like learning about plays and routes wasn't the same as it was when John Madden came out. All of a sudden, you could see how the X's and O's are moving. You got to play that for real. Not that it's the same, but then you're watching, and now you're understanding a little bit more about those things. But that birthday all-nighter, I couldn't stop playing. And on our podcast this week for What If, I'd like to say, I'd like to ask this, what if we pay tribute to the late, great John Madden? What if we do that, gentlemen? Boom! Yes. And that's actually going to be a category, of course, will be boom. But the first category is all Madden. This is episode 16. We missed out last week. And so this is episode 16. We will be going to Clinton. All Madden. Here's the question. Clinton, as the Hawks take on the Lions this week, what if you could select players that will get opportunities? Who is off your team and who is on your team for key moments in this game? You're saying, this is these guys. I want to give them a chance. These are my all Madden for opportunities this week. And forget about these guys. I don't need to see them for the last couple of weeks. What do you got, Clinton? Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. So, we, you know, we, we're, we're into the, we, we like to get into the, into the nooks here. So I'm really, yes. I'm very interested in, so it's, it's number 67 Adams on, on the, the oh. defensive tackle. Right. So we talked about him, Brandon and I talked about him during the preseason. And I was like, this guy's showing out. This guy just keeps, just seems like a baller to me. Seems seems like a good, you know, he has a spot on this team. And at that point, I wasn't sold on on Monet. Monet was like kind of bubble. We'll leave it. We'll even make it. Um, so and you know, we we were bringing back Al Woods. We knew about Puna, 
And I thought that Adams was going to get a uh, just a solidified role from Jump Street this year. Didn't happen. He was practice squad, but he's come back in and he's been pretty good. And overall, the defensive line for you know run stuffing has been really good. Well, the Bears have 30-something runs for 88 yards, right? something like that. Right? Even was, Kamara was good against the run. It's Yeah, oh, yeah sure. No, no. It, it's a very, very stout run defense all the way through the front seven. So I'll, I'll just stick with him. It's like, I, I want I want to see what he's got because we're talking about building blocks. Now, I don't expect that guy to be like a Vince Woolfork sure. or something like that. yeah. But can can we go into next year with like, oh, we have another DT we could depend on. That's a crucial, crucial just piece of a, of a defense. Um, you know, maybe you bring back an Al Woods. I think it was a one year deal. I, Puna, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, our mix right up the middle has been solid this year. So if we could solve for that early or see that we got something in Adams, I'm really interested in seeing that man. Awesome. So you understood the question pretty well, Clint. Thank you very much. I, I wasn't sure if that would come across right. Just guys you want to see get some opportunities. Now, obviously, we're not saying these are on the all Madden team because right. I don't know what Seahawk would be on the all Madden team actually this Nick year. Outside of Quandre Nick Ballore would be on the all Madden team. <laughs> he probably would. You're probably right. And Quandre Diggs, I think, would have a shot. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Without, I mean, maybe he doesn't have enough hits for Madden to love him, but guys that you want to see get some opportunities next couple of weeks, starting on Sunday. Really, when we get to Sunday, guys, we only have eight days until our season is over. Oh, sad. But we can finish this year with wins, right? Yes. So that's, that'd be okay. But some guys you want to see some opportunities here, uh, Brandon, this week. One of the things I'd like to see in terms of opportunities is I'd like to see Jordan Brooks playing a little middle linebacker because oh, okay. as we talked about at the top of the show, Bobby Wagner uncertain about his future status. And I, I would like to have Bobby back. But if there is some uncertainty, I would like to see what uh, what it would look like with Jordan Brooks in the middle of that defense and his speed at that position. I think could add a little bit more of a dynamic and gosh, even if you do decide to bring back Bobby and let's say you do want to mix it up a little bit, maybe you want to move Bobby to weak side for the last couple of years, or, or you know, maybe you have a different kind of plan for him moving forward. I, I do want to see though what it looks like at the middle linebacker spot with Jordan Brooks. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So the next question is for Brandon. We continue on all Madden. I'm wondering if this one might be a little bit harder, get a little sense of uh, your thoughts on some Lions players. But what if you were one of Madden's researchers and he says, okay, I've got to have players from every team. And you're going to put some Lions players in Madden's suggestion box for the all Madden team. Who would they be and why, Brandon? Who would you throw to him and say, man, I got to pick some Lions? Yes, you got to pick some Lions. Who might you at least give him a chance to look at? One of the guys that I would be excited about that I'm, looking at the way he's been playing late in the season now and looking at the way that D Eskridge has been playing the season now availability is part of it. But I really like Amon Ross St. Brown for the Detroit Lions. And he's he's kind of grown into that favorite target of Jared Goff. He caught a game winning touchdown pass just a couple of weeks ago uh, to get one of the Lions two wins this season. And yeah. he's out of USC. So, you know, he even has that tie. Uh, to Pete. And, you know, it's it's a little bit unfortunate that maybe we we didn't end up with that guy. Maybe take a certain center in the second round instead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown, that's my guy for the Lions. All right. What do you got, Clinton? All right. Looking across, I, and I, this is a dude that I, I would I would love to be to have on our team. I think 
I'm also looking at like what happens next year, just playing it forward and saying, all right, mm-hmm. what's up with Chris Carson? Is he coming back somewhat healthy? Penny. Penny's been very good. Is what that's going to be super interesting. What what do we do? Like, yeah. do we do we go out and, and and re-sign him? Does he become does he become part of like a, a trade package that we could actually put together and get something valuable? I realize he's going to be a free agent, but it could be could we package him up in advance to a team that wants him? That's possible, right? But I always really like DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a he's a really good really good football player when he's healthy as well. So just an exciting guy. Um, incredibly skilled out of the backfield. And it's one of those things where uh, I think we're, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of him. A, 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 so I think we'll get our chances to, to see him, you know, live fire, if you will. And it would not shock me if that dude ends up with, you know, six or seven completions in this game uh, and, and ends up with 20 plus touches. Although he's coming off of an injury, he is healthy again. Dynamic runner, really, really solid guy. And, um, you know, just, I just would love that going into this next season where, where we have a, a lot of haze about our running back situation. That's the kind of player I'd love to see back on Seattle uh, if we're talking about player types. Awesome. Well, our, our next category comes from the word John Bad's probably most identified with. Clinton, I think, mentioned it yesterday. <laughs> boom! Boom! I even you go there, they go just, boom! No. He just describes why he says boom. You know, somebody might say they turn here, they turn here, they make this block. I just say boom! Anyways, what if we watch this game for some great hits, some great blocking? What are some players on either team you expect to bring some boom-worthy juice, Clinton? Maybe some guys, or we could even do a little bit. We're getting toward the end of the season. Just some players you've seen lay the wood from the Hawks. I don't know if you have anybody you expect from the Lions. I was trying to think through. I've only seen a couple of their games, in all honesty. Uh, But just some guys that you feel like John Madden would have a good chance of saying boom in this game for these guys. Yeah, so I think it's it's a mix of what what Madden might like, which he loves the trenches, of course. Oh uh, yeah, and also like uh, Baldinger, right? Baldinger does his awesome Baldy breakdowns, yeah. and I find him and him being and you know an old school lineman really has a good understanding of what's happening. I want to I want to get back and see see more of the the Damian Lewis stuff that we've been seeing. Like once he got back and got healthy, and the it's it's we've talked about it a bit. The running game with Penny has a lot more motion. They're just doing a lot more, a, a ton more of these, you know, pulls across the formation and, and things that are actually more highly athletic, they, they, yeah. they, you know, and, and they're interesting. So the last few it's weeks- Adrian Peterson-esque almost. I mean, that, that's a lot to say, but I mean, the way he's slick and kind of waits for that crack where they move it around and then he just goes, it's pretty sweet. And the execution against the, you know, we, Brandon, you, you called this out against the Bears uh, when we were talking about this. And you were saying like, hey, if we end up cutting the Shane, you know, Waldron experience short, might we be missing the fact that we we are establishing a really, really solid run game late in this year? You know, the Bears are no great shakes. They're, they were missing two of their better better players uh, on the line. And, one, and of, of course, Mac. And with that, it doesn't really matter. It's like the athleticism that we have seen from, from some of the more star uh, offensive linemen on Seattle, it's been pretty good. You know, like... We played a Rams game where we we out we outsacked the Rams. We played a Bears game where when we wanted to, we put we pushed them around. We we pushed them everywhere across the field. Should have ran the ball more. So that's my boom button, man. I want to see um, you know Damian Lewis. If people kind of look at his season, and be like, oh, did he kind of have a sophomore slump? Maybe you know maybe maybe a little bit early in the year. But I think you also have to factor in that 
you ask the guy to flip sides of the oh, line. Yeah. You know, after one year of being a standout rookie, like, okay, go do that over here where your footwork's different, your your hands are different, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And he's really kind of ending his sophomore year on some high notes, which again, it's like, it ain't about 2021. It, this is all about, you know, building for 2022. So let's focus on Damian Lewis and see if that that athleticism, the comfort on that side just keeps showing out because that that'll you know prove out well or show out well for what we could be next year. Good call, good call on Damian Lewis. We were, there also wasn't much camp. Some of that was yep. uh, put back inside, and yeah, he, he, we could say he's disappointing, but no doubt about the move. Who do you got? Where's who's going to bring the boom juice? Where are we going to find that here, Brandon? Where do you expect to see some boom juice on <laughs> John Madden Sunday this week? Yeah, if I'm, you know, just the the term boom juice, uh, you know, just, uh, you know what, that has, it leads me toward the, the what we've seen from Daryl Taylor these last few weeks. And so I, I do expect that. And that's the guy that I expect it from. But more so, I think the guy that I want to see it from is a guy because it gets me thinking about, again, guys that we we haven't seen it from lately. And I want to see some boom from Ryan Neal. I, I just oh. I feel like we haven't seen that here recently. And against these Lions, to see a physical football team, uh, I'll say Ryan Neal. And you know what? I'm going to go for the trifecta. I'm going to throw DK Metcalf in there, too, because Ooh, Clinton gave him another good block. Out. Clinton gave him the out this last week. He missed one. He had a good one on a penny run on an inside block. And then he, yeah, he failed on that. But, down, but down because he landed in the out column, he needs to uh, redeem himself and uh, and pick up one of those outside corners this week. All right, continuing on with Boom, and we, you guys have kind of hinted at some of this earlier in the week on the um, 3 and 3 Out show, but what if these last two games, these last two game plans blow up in Shane Waldron's face? Should they give him another year to try and see what he can do with Russ or just cut losses and admit this marriage isn't working out? And so Shane's got a couple more games to see if he and Russ can work together. I know there's been factors. What do you think? What What do you really think should happen if it doesn't work out these next couple of weeks, Brandon? This is something that Adam and I are going to be talking about on the Seahawkers podcast, or maybe once you're hearing this, we already did talk about it. It, it goes to the idea of, of what the team ultimately does this offseason. If they decide that, okay, Pete Carroll's coming back, Russell Wilson's coming back, Shane Waldron's coming back. If you think about it with just the idea of, okay, it's Shane Waldron's first year as the play caller and offensive coordinator. They're yeah. going to have the offseason now to go back, watch the film, and decide how they want to approach things and develop going into next season. So, so they'll be able to build off of this year and work that in toward next year. So even if it does blow up these next two weeks, I don't think that that changes that opportunity for development in the offseason if that core, if that trio decides that they're going to be back next year. I mean, if I'm Miss Allen, they got to come in and tell me, Shane and Pete have to tell me, how are you going to get Russ back to being Russ? You got to prove to me that with an off season, you're going to be able to do it or else I'm going to need to find somebody else. Nothing against you personally, but aren't they going to have to prove to her that they know how to get him back? Wouldn't you think, Brandon, if you were Miss Allen? Sure. And then what do you do? Bring back uh, Brian Schottenheimer to coach since uh, since well, they did so well for last season? year. 
the whole thing was in neutral after the the two high safety just solved them. It it really so goes to where do you think the problem is? Do you think it's a yeah. Pete Carroll problem and a confidence issue with Russ? Is it you know a mentality thing for Russ? It's you know there there's so many different areas where you could point to and say, well, is it that? And without knowing. Uh, and, and hopefully our owner would have a little bit more information than we do when it comes to those sorts of things with personal interviews. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to give him, do you want to give Shane two more games? And if he can't, if it just blows up two more times, you're done with him. Or do you not think that these two games, uh, would be the main decider in your decision for Mr. Waldron and Clinton? So I have personally, I, this one, I struggle with this one because I feel like Waldron has been one of the reasons we're Jekyll and Hyde. However, I, I think where where I, I could reflect on on it's like have I have we seen enough glimpses of what the offense was meant to be? And I I by the way I want to say that I think very often on the different pods we do that we're about half a year to a year and a half ahead of the curve of, of point, pointing things out, talking about trends, discussing things that other people end up discussing later on. And I'll give I'll give a good example. Just today, I saw a tweet from uh, Michael Sean Dugar, and he was talking about the the essence of the D the D Eskridge WR three and why it is like so important to this offense. And that na- basically, you know, and obviously Michael Sean's a, a great a great coverer of the team. He's okay, like, Clinton, let's be clear. You're giving a shout out to yourself on yes, this one. You're so, saying all of us in the podcast realm. That's very nice. You're the <laughs> one that has been bringing that up about D for quite some time, and hoping into existence. And I'm starting to think you might be right. And I hope you are. It, Go ahead though. It's Go just, ahead. it should be, you know, self-praise is no praise. So now that you said it, it's uh, it's, but it's about the, about the idea that what Waldron wants to do. And then again, when we have a healthy D we saw it week one, and then you see it against the bears. You see the pop passes, you see the movement, you see the cross formation stuff with the line. You see the, 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 we saw the uh, play action rollouts that they don't do enough of them. But we saw them, and when when we do them, that's highly, what I've been wanting. Highly yeah. successful. So it's just like I've seen enough that I think Waldron understands what will work, and I don't know if it's a, a reins type thing, like freeing him up to really run the way he wants to. Um, right now, I am on the I think the dude deserves a second year wagon, and it's also because when we had Geno Smith in there, now yeah, the Saints game, it seems like we really just locked it down and didn't didn't even let him really try. But other elements of, of having a, a, a way more mediocre quarterback in there, the offense still moved. And it was because it was well thought out concepts of how you move a modern offense down the field and, and use the whole field. And we've seen more and more of Russ using Everett down the stretch, just that alone, right? The use of Everett. And we talked about the Mr. Colby Parkinson over the middle. Great play, though, great structure. I've yeah. seen enough that I'm still like, I think he could be a good offensive coordinator. I don't want to have to say two weeks later, boy, was I wrong. Can it, you know, trash it. I don't think I would, but I, I would want to say I would be consistent two weeks later, even if the next two weeks are, are no good for us. Yeah. And I don't want to chase the rabbit too far, but what about the thought of if you can't block it, don't run it. I mean, Matt Hasselbeck was, was implying that great coaches think that way. I feel like a lot of Waldron's plays were mostly blocked. And then we had some other execution issue, whether at quarterback or playmaker, where a lot of the time they were blocked. But if they could kind of decide, Shane, what do you need to run? And what players do we have to make sure can block for that? 
if Pete can look at his offense and say, yes, this works, we either just haven't been blocking or fully executing, then I think he's worth bringing back. But if, if they don't believe that they can block for his offense or get the players to block for his offense, then maybe we do do something different. But there have been indications that a lot of his calls are, are plays that we can block for, whether in the run or the passing game. Flatly, I think we've seen it. I think yeah. we've seen that, especially down the stretch here, that the, the run blocking has improved steadily. And still a lot of some of the sacks that, that Russ is taking, you know, sometimes he's under pressure right away. That happens. And sometimes, by the way, that's a blitz. It's a free guy. And Russ is still amazing. Man coverage, you bring a blitz. He, he's, he usually toasts people. Like, that's fine. That's a floater, you know, 40, 35 yards downfield with a nice touch over Lockett's shoulder for, for a big gain. But that hasn't gone away. It's or the, the other linebacker stuff. will just tackle the dude before the ball gets there. And then, <laughs> yeah, that, that too, right? That too. But so not, I think not that we're seen. still thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. You guys know, everybody listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's how awful that was. Yep. But I, okay. but I, do, but I do think we've seen that we're, we're blocking. Our, our, our schema seems fine for blocking. Like, you know, it's a good. Clinton seems to be on the, on the side of whatever happens these last couple of games. He's seen enough. He wants Waldron to have another chance. I feel like Brandon's not quite convinced yet. He needs a couple of games to be convinced. I'm I'm kind of in the same place as Clinton. I just I don't know. I I'm of the opinion that really these last two games I don't think that they matter in terms of whether or not he comes back. If okay. Pete Carroll comes back next year, I think it would be with Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator. And if they decide to move on and pick a different coach, then I mean unless the coach is Shane Waldron, but I I, <laughs> I don't know if I see that necessarily. Yeah. So um unless that just is Russell's guy now then he would probably be gone. Okay. Well, we know the great Mr. Madden had a lot of famous sayings and sometimes they were just for like, they had to do with Turducken or you have, you're not really sure what he means or they're very, very obvious. And you're like, why didn't someone say that before? But I, I did see like one of the most famous quotes that he had and it was tweeted out by a lot of our favorite player who always has his first and last name together. You know, he plays for the Rams, even on his Twitter that the two names come together. Uh, Mr. Cooper Cup, he was given a shout out to uh, John Madden. And, and here was this. Here was the saying. And others said this was like one of his best ones. The road to easy street goes through the sewer. I was like, <laughs> I guess. But but that sounded kind of cool. But anyways, we're, what if we can get through the sewer? Because I kind of feel like that's where we're at here. Maybe we can get, and I don't know about Easy Street, but we want to get to the good part of the neighborhood. And what if we can get through the sh- through the sewer? And so this first question here, Clinton, what if the Hawks lose at home to the Lions and complete a 2-6 and six home record, a sewer of a season? Where will you, at this point, place the majority of the blame for these home failures you know, overall season issues. Who gets the majority of the blame for this stinker of a sewer season? It's disappointing that that's even a, a possibility and a, and a decent possibility too, because when we look back at the schedule, by the way, the schedule wasn't that bad. No, it was. It, we, we ended up playing new Orleans without a quarterback. We played, you know, Arizona with, with, with a backup bear, Pittsburgh, who's clearly depleted. Uh, Tennessee before they they were good in the year, right? It's just oh man, it it was not that hard of a schedule. It could have been navigated in a much much different way, which is which is you know, sad. Um, the blame game. Let's see. Uh, I think it's on Russ. You know, I just think it's good quarterback. We watch. We all watch different games besides the Seahawks. A dude's out with COVID. A backup's out with COVID, and a third stringer's in there, and it's a disaster. 
the game looks like a bad XFL game. You know, there's, there, I think there's reasons that they're, they're mitigating these, these COVID protocols. Bec- and I think a large part of it is for better, worse, right or wrong, they realize their product is terrible, terrible without good quarterbacking. And of course, other stars there as well. It's what it boils down to. If Russ played a more consistent season, uh, when he was healthy, and you got you to recognize too, the dude still might be sure. suffering accuracy issues because he broke his freaking finger this year. Um, and with that, it wasn't all roses before the finger breaking. That's the thing. I think people could look back on that, be like, "Oh, we were we were steaming ahead." No, we weren't. The second half of the Titans was a disaster. There were games that that were leading up to the finger getting getting mashed that weren't good. And of course, all all of half of last year, it's got to be on Russ because it's the most important position. He plays, mar- you know, marginally better, and we're a 500 team right now, and still in the thick of it. I agree. I agree. How about you, Brandon? You have a different take. Where the majority of the blame for the sewer of a season should go? Yeah, it would. It would go to the top at head coach Pete Carroll because okay. one of the things that upsets me the most is how we how we decide to be aggressive in situations where we don't necessarily need to be aggressive. And then decide not to be aggressive in those situations where it would it would be beneficial of the team to do that. And so I think if you flip flop those and just be aggressive when you're supposed to be, that ultimately you win more games. And heck, this team might even be a playoff team this year if they do those things to be aggressive in situations where, you know, you put teams away at the end. You don't blow 10 point leads in the fourth quarter. Gosh, if you just took away the games where they do, where they don't blow leads of 10 points or more in the fourth quarter, this team probably has a winning record. And I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching, how Pete coaches the defense, how he coaches Russell Wilson to play in those types of situations of not turning the ball over so they don't have that aggressive mentality necessary that uh, would allow them to close out the games. And so, yeah, it leads me to Pete. My biggest problem with Pete was starting with the season with Trey Flowers and leaving Trey Flowers in. But other than that, I mean, I think a lot of coaches make some in-game decision choices. But I understand the the lack of aggressiveness, the wrong time on that. That I understand people's take on that as well. But uh, okay, well, we want to move past the sewer of a season. What if this sewer is just a small pond and not the beginning of a vast ocean of stench? How about that? <laughs> Can the Hawks show you anything these next couple of weeks to prove we're nearing the shores of Success Beach? Is there anything these next couple of weeks you can look at and say, now we're headed in the right direction. We're getting on the road to what Mr. Madden calls maybe easy street going through the sewer. What do you got, Brandon? Yeah, I think it's just and, and we've talked about this a little bit before of once you have that losing season, what are the things that you want to see? And sure. And so you do you want to see the team come out play hard, close out the games. I and I'm going I'll say it again. I want to see Russell Wilson with some fourth quarter drives for touchdowns when it's it's a, in a meaningful situation. Yeah. And we had that opportunity last week and yeah. obviously he's been out of practice. I'll just blame it on that. He hasn't had that uh that opportunity enough and so now he can reflect on what happened last week and and he can bring it here these last couple of weeks. Maybe it doesn't matter much against the Lions because it's the Lions are one of the lowest ranked teams in the league. They only have two wins and a tie. But coming back, if if they can close it out against the Cardinals, the, the Cardinals, they have a chance to have just this terrible losing streak going into their playoffs. And if they lose to the Cowboys this week, which I think they should, 
It sets them up for us to spoil the end of their season down in Arizona. And I want to see it happen. How about you, Clint? So channeling uh, John Madden, a.k.a. the Altered Beast himself, <laughs> I would say we're going to stick in the trenches here, right? Because Madden, that, that's what he really, really dug was, was those, those down and dirty players in the trenches. So looking at that 2022 and where can we be hopeful and what can we look for? It, it, to me, it's that defensive line because you go across defensive line and yes, you've got the, the smattering of veterans, which you kind of get the feeling that some of them are going to be one and done, you know, like Dunlap's got one more year in the contract. Maybe he comes back at, it's still a pretty cheap value. Great. Bring him back. But some other dudes like Hyder, regime, just big, big, disappointing year. It's like, what happens with Hyder? Mayoa, kind of a disappointing year. What happens there? But the other dudes, you know, Taylor, yeah. Rasheem Green, Puna Ford, Alton Robinson, you have a core, you have a good young core there. All those dudes are like 25 and under. I think Puna's still on the 25, maybe 26, but most of them are 24 and under. That's a good young core of, of defensive linemen. And that's how you, you know, even the best teams, the 16 0 Patriots were beaten because the Giants could make get pressure with four dudes. That's why they won the game. It's still extremely, extremely true. That's how the Bucks beat up on on uh, Mahomes last year, right? They didn't have to blitz to to make Mahomes go crazy. That core is good, and it's and it's maybe a player or two away, maybe free agency, maybe you find the next uh, Micah Parsons out there. But there there may be a, a a playmaker away from being a really really solid defensive line. So let's just focus in the trenches. Do it for Madden, man. Nice. So if we can see some solid play by the younger guys in the trenches finishing out the season, we'll definitely feel a little bit better about the next year. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I kind of wish we could just say boom and try this season again, you know, <laughs> but uh, we only have two weeks left. We only have a few days left and I'd like to finish the year with wins. In fact, we could finish the year with wins for the first time since Percy Harvin was traded. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> we could finish out with wins and that, that hasn't happened since way back then. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we thought about it quite like that. And no matter what we're undefeated against the Bay area, true right? facts. That's the true. best, the best part of the year. So we can get one more thing to look forward to, which is finishing the year with wins, finish the year with wins and watch San Francisco lose out with their rookie quarterback. Uh, behind center and then yeah we can laugh at them because we know they're going to be in a bad situation for years to come because they traded all their picks away for uh for that quarterback let's be the only team in the division to finish the year with wins wouldn't that be cool yeah that'd that be, like that be excellent uh and uh, I, I would love nothing more i mean hey we're not going anywhere right so yeah watching the watching the niners disintegrate and uh and the cardinals yeah cardinals get i mean the cardinals already are they already made quote you know they already made the playoffs right so they're, they're going to get a playoff game but um, yeah, watching them flame out in the first first round be great. I'll, I'll take that as well. The Niners, if they could not make it and they could flame out with with Trey Lance, that would be awesome. Because <laughs> you know it's been this whole year of uh, you know is, should it be Jimmy? Should it be should it be Trey Lance? Oh well, it turns out Trey Lance looks like hot garbage. Cool. All right, Jimmy. Jimmy's playing pretty good. Oh, then Jimmy's gonna Jimmy. Jimmy's gonna throw the bad interceptions and blow a game or two and. The 49ers realize that they really can't win a Super Bowl with that guy, most likely. All right, now Jimmy's hurt and, and Trey's back in there again. So if we could see pure tumult, you know, pure, just, just, 
just no cohesiveness of, of a 49ers team as they come crashing back down for the rest of the year where they had a promising uh, projection like mid-year here, that would be awesome. You'd be like, you know what? Yeah, we had a crappy year, but in, in retrospect, yours was actually worse and, and, and we beat you twice. So, <laughs> so you, could, you could sit on it, Potsy. We know how to root like a 49er fan during most of their seasons lately. So it's just cheer against the rest of the division. But they don't know what it's like to keep beating us over and over and over and over again. So we can relish in our undefeatedness against them this year. What if we say go Hawks? Go Hawks. Go, go Hawks. Hawks. Boom. Boom. Boom.